Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to Ruler Rouge podcast. Um, yeah, let's let's crack straight on. This will be a, this will be a good one for the stands of the Tottenham Way podcast. As I've got the, I've, I've sort of you know I've, I've pushed them into it, but the band is back together. We've got Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard, and Tom Foynes from, well you know Twitter. There you go. How you doing, lads? All right, thanks, mate. Dan? I'm genuinely in agony. What, just uh, from having to be on this podcast, or partly that, partly I dropped a full jar of Nutella on my big toe um, while making pancakes yesterday, and I've got a subungual uh, hematoma, um, which is when uh, blood pools under your toe and creates an immense amount of pressure and pain, forcing the nail off. So that's what's happening to me as we speak. I was going to say that nail is definitely going, mate. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I, I might have to go and get it lanced like tomorrow if the pain continues. So I've got it. I'm currently sitting like um, at my desk just with it raised up like above my head and some ice on it. I, I lost a big toenail after doing like a a, a a big hike. I did like a sort of twenty odd mile hike, and I got back. And uh, yeah, one of my toenails just over the next few days turned black and <laughs> ended up falling off. Um, and it's never really been the same since. It's sort of it's grown oh, back, and it's it's all a bit weird. So you've you sort of got that to look forward to, mate. You know, it's uh, oh, don't. It's genuinely making me feel a bit lightheaded. Actually, I wish I hadn't brought it up. <laughs> can, can we can we move on? Do you have any toenail anecdotes, Tom? At all? I, I, it's happened to me as well. So you've got a full house. I was going to say, is it a bit of a metaphor for the kind of Spurs? Thinking of a segue here for you, just is it a bit of a metaphor that, like, three, four years ago, we stubbed our toe really badly with not giving Poch any transfers in one window, and over the course of the last four years, we've slowly been losing the toe. So I can't do the toe thing anymore, mate. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Toes, toes, uh, toes are off. No more toes. Uh, hopefully not your toe, Dan. Your toe will be fine. That won't be off. But still, Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, I mean, there has been a, there's been a, a, a casual degrading in the fortunes of Tottenham Hotspur since that point you uh, mentioned, Tom Foynes. I mean, how, I'll, I'll go to you first, Tom. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be elitist here. I'm not. Gonna, I, don't, I don't care what Dan thinks. You know, MSM and all that. What, what do you, the man on the street, make of yesterday's game, Tom? The man on the street, the man who looks like he's on the street. What, what do I make of the game? Sorry, well, yeah, the game, everything around it, the the vibes. I think that's the uh, that's the what the kids are saying nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think I, I think I tweeted last night that um, it, it, every time you think you've seen the most uninspiring and kind of insipid, horrible Spurs performance, they they go and better it, and it's they're, they're not that far apart anymore. Like I, I think. Like Burnley was grim 
and horrible as it always is but overall that was just an awful evening and before that you had Southampton and Wolves and they've all got the same feeling around them haven't they just this it's just a malaise that we're in at the moment and I thought it was actually quite pointed that Conte didn't come out afterwards and give a kind of overly emotional response he was he was quite Dan will probably be able to speak to this a lot better than I would but like he seemed fairly level-headed considering we'd just been knocked out of the cup after a really awful performance away at a championship side and I just it's almost as if he's got like muscle memory of that now of like oh you know two was it a week ago I was really grumpy and everyone got on my back about it and it was like it was so fresh in his head that he thought last night maybe he was sort of second guessing himself a bit or, or certainly being hyper conscious of being maybe overly negative or coming across as like he's he wants to leave and all of that stuff it's like you know these horrible evenings seem to be closer together in time than they were before and it's just very depressing I mean, really do you, do you think i guess by the kind of very nature of the fact that tottenham went out to a mid and let's be honest a mid-table championship side i know they have been improving steadily since wild has come in but they're they're not amazing, you know. They're, it's Middlesbrough at the end of the day. But I, I didn't sort of watch us last night and think we were abject. I didn't look at that and think of that uh, as like one of those kind of like, you know, the U- European games under Mourinho at the tail end of that. I can't remember the exact team that we lost to, but the, the, the horrific game um, with their manager in prison and everything like that. That <laughs> is possibly one of the worst performances I've ever seen from Tottenham. These kind of performances, like with Burnley... Um, I'm. They're more. They're, I find them like painful, just in how how meek they are. You know, you know, this is the kind of like you know, hated, adored, never ignored. This is the sort of performance that you would just ignore because it it was just it was so nothingy. There was no character to it. There was no spark. There was no real kind of air of urgency about anything that the the team was seemingly doing. Um, and it, it, it it's funny because I, I felt like Tottenham were completely in control of the match in the you know in the early stages of it, but we always tend to hit this point I find, kind of about you know half hour in or so where if if we haven't scored, we we usually without kind of <laughs> without question we'll end up shitting the bed. It's suddenly like there's something happens to the players where they're like. Oh right, we we we've got to score now because if we don't, they'll score against us, and then we'll have to score two goals. You know, whereas it doesn't it doesn't seem to like power them on at all. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, just yeah, for me or Tom, it, it, we, we either were, whoever. We were, I was going to say we were visibly, they were visibly rising in confidence because they could see ours was, ours it was eroding over the course of time, like on about half an hour when they started to sort of step out of defence and push us back and we, we very much looked like a team that wanted to play on the break and I know that that was the setup, but the less that works for you and the less kind of potent your front three are at that stage the worse it got for us and in the end, it's certainly an extra time there were times where they were attacking us and we had like two, three people back and it was like the end of a five-a-side game where everyone's tired and it's just end to end and it just looked as if we were kind of waiting to die a little bit it was almost like put us out of our misery maybe they just thought they couldn't take the mental torture of penalties because I wouldn't have backed us in penalties certainly not the team that was still out there so yeah I agree they it, it was a case of well if we haven't done it by half an hour that's probably our lot 
which is very worrying, very, very worrying for the future. As to what Tom was uh, touched on earlier, Dan, what was the mood like with Conte in kind of post-match and everything like that? Because obviously we we'd seen him; he's been somewhat bipolar in the past few in the past few weeks, really. <laughs> past week, shall we say, even um, mm. with how he's approached these kind of situations. It, from what I was reading, he seemed fairly kind of mooted on everything. Yeah, well, he was very measured, certainly in comparison to how he was after the Burnley defeat a week earlier and everyone's read those quotes I'm sure you know I suspect someone at the words had someone at the club sorry has had a word with him which I think uh, we know happened after the Sky Italia interview because Conte said it happened and said I'm not allowed to speak to Italian media anymore so I suspect there were more conversations after the Burnley game just saying Antonio try and rein it in a little bit if you can this isn't really helping and obviously he's tried to paint it since then as part of a concerted strategy, you know, every time I speak to the media, it's with something in mind, whether that's a message to the club or a message to my players, which I don't really buy. I think he was maybe a little bit embarrassed by the way he behaved after Burnley. That was certainly my interpretation of it at the time, um, you know, as being quite an emotional outburst and him not really being able to control his emotions rather than, you know, some kind of grand plan to, to put the pressure on his players. So it was very different last night. And much more restrained and, and much more kind of traditional Conte, should we say, sort of default Conte, which is always, um, you know, we need to work very hard. You know, it's all about working and we need to have patience and, you know, we're a long way off. And that's that's kind of Conte's default position when he's not being, you know, overly praiseworthy or, or overly negative. Um, just in, in terms of kind of a couple of general impressions about last night, one kind of micro and one sort of macro, I think... On a, on a kind of micro level, it, it's really it really surprised me just how little difference there was in technical quality between the two teams. And I also spotted that at Burnley. Just, it's really obvious to me now, especially having watched a couple of Chelsea games last week, including the League Cup final against Liverpool, just how poor some of the players are on a technical level. And you can see players like Kane and, and Kulisevsky as well um, Son obviously when he's on form are able to play this kind of really nice one-touch football that Conte wants and move the ball quickly and you know create angles and create space but some players just aren't able to do that um, Doherty for one Hoiber Winks was is not great at it um, and there really wasn't a huge amount of difference between um, many of those players and, and many of the Middlesbrough players I thought um, and then the other one is, is just that you know, I really feel like we're we're in the midst of the painful rebuild now, and and you know, I think a lot of people when when Potts said that, um, you know, interpreted it as oh, it's going to be really sad when when Ericsson leaves, and oh, it'll be it'll be a real shame when we have to sell Danny Rose, and it's going to be painful. But I don't think that's what Potts meant. He, he meant the team's going to be really really bad for a couple of years. Um, you know, that's what he meant by painful rebuild, and that's you know what Spurs are bang in the middle of right now. Tom, sort of on this point, because this is something we sort of speak about quite a bit offline. I mean, I, I, I have real concerns here about Conte and kind of the behaviour he's he's exhibited uh, recently. Um, the fact that the club are having to sort of tell a highly paid professional to sort of rein their behaviour in is... is it seems quite perplexing to me. You know, he's 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 reacting the way that like I do on Twitter to, to bad results. And... We can talk about kind of him being backed in summer and rebuilding the team from that point, but summer's a long way off, you know, and 
I, I can't help but have this sort of sinking feeling that he isn't even going to see it to then. I don't, the club obviously aren't going to sack him, but I'm not even 100% he's going to kind of stay on board until that point. And, you know, kind of further from that, I even sort of question whether or not I want to give him, what, let's say, £100 million in summer to spend on two, maybe three big players, as opposed to giving somebody that's going to have a kind of long-term vision of what they want the club to be a decent amount of money to start that off as a project. I mean, how, how do you feel about him? Do you, do you think he's the right bloke to, to lead a rebuild for us? Because that's what we need, no. right? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he is. I don't think it's his fault. I think I've, I've felt, call it gut feeling, put it this way, there's certainly not a lot of science behind what I'm thinking. It's more of a gut feeling, but... It was very exciting to get Conte because he is one of the best coaches in the world, but he's he's someone that needs quite a specific set of circumstances. And my my issue with it is that I don't think Spurs are ever going to provide those circumstances. Now, it's different. I'm not saying that that's right. Um, and I'm not saying that we should change our entire model to, to meet someone like Conte's needs. Because as you say, Conte the noises that he's he's making suggest he may not even be here this summer um and i certainly don't see him being here beyond his 18 month deal so what's that by the end of 20 uh, 22 23 season he's he's likely gone and so, so i just it frustrates me because it feels so simple to look at this and just think this guy is he, he could be successful if we were to give him the, the tools to be successful but those tools just do not exist in our tool shed we don't have those and we aren't suddenly going to go out and you know go to home base and buy those tools for him it's just not going to happen and so i struggle with it because i'm aware that we've got this world-class manager but he doesn't have a world-class infrastructure around him to deliver and it's it's kind of like an equivalent of guardiola being at i don't know everton or something yes yeah, i'm sure they'll be in they'll be improvements in certain individual players but ultimately you're a product of what's around you and I don't think Paratici I, I really don't know what to think about him I, I, I think his business has so far been very 50-50 at best um, but his stinkers have been real stinkers um, and he's the one that holds the key so that's the concern that the, the just to go back to the first point you made about making it to the summer another concern is that, yeah let's say he is here for the entire duration of his deal by the time the summer comes like it's only just turned march now there's quite a lot left of the season we've got no europe and no cup competition so he's now got a week to work with these players but if the mood is going to swing so dramatically every single game by the time the summer comes the work that he's got to do is sort of clawing back the confidence of fans and the club and Levy and everyone else in him and his ability to lead this team or you clean house and start again and it's quite a dangerous position to be in as a manager because say he gets to the summer and he buys four or five players that are really you know genuine quality the players that they're going to be mixed in with if they stay could potentially be at rock bottom confidence and as Dan says like the technical quality of them isn't suddenly going to change overnight so I don't know it feels it, the feeling that I'm getting is a little bit like that lead up to the summer where we got the Magnificent Seven like it felt as if we needed this injection of new players but 
as it turned out, the strategy brought us players that just weren't suited to the league, weren't suited to the manager, and it just sort of got worse until somebody pulled the plug on it. That's my gut feeling of what, what is leading into this summer. Mm. But yeah, I mean, quite Dan, I'm not looking for any sort of blistering ITK here or anything, but we've seen kind of news over the past few days that the club have intimated, especially after the, the, the sort of theatrics at Burnley, that there will be money there for Conte this summer, that he will be kind of essentially given what he needs to lead a rebuild and to put the, you know, kind of build the club into his own image. Um, so I, I guess from, from what you understand, that there is a, is there a sense of panic at the club about him leaving at all? Well, yeah, from what I understand, there have been conversations since the Burnley game, which I think did alarm people at the club. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know, you, you can well imagine what Levy was thinking, reading or hearing Conte's comments, which strongly suggested, let's face it, that he was ready to throw in the towel. Um, and I think there have been conversations since then. And I think Conte you know, has been told there'll be money to spend and, and enough money to you know, significantly change the squad. Um, I wouldn't say the club's panicking but you know I think Levy and the club are are well used to managers mood swings you know that was a big feature under Pochettino Um, you know he'd blow hot and cold quite often and he'd play games in the media you know there were often power plays directed at Levy and the club Um, they were often quite loaded comments so that that's that's old hat but you know with Conte it does it does feel on a on a whole new level obviously and I think that there will be there will be and there is concern that you know he, he could walk away because he's suggested that right and he has a history of, of doing that so um, it would be naive to, to think that he's definitely gonna gonna see out the end of his contract because you know, history and his comments suggest that's not guaranteed at all um, to go back to what Tom was saying I think you know for me because Tom and I've had these conversations as well kind of privately and on, on WhatsApp and stuff and I think it it comes down to you know, do you think the club is right to to kind of be, you know, acting like a big club and and trying to hire one of the and, and hiring one of the best managers in the world at the moment, or does the club need to be, you know, more realistic about you know what it is and and where they are and what's happening at the moment? And you know, I don't think that's that's kind of as cut and thrust as Tom does. I think, you know, I can see the arguments both sides. You know, I like the fact that that Spurs went out and hired a. A world-class coach because if not you know kind of what's the point but I do have reservations about whether you know Conte just has the patience for as I said that the rebuild that I think Spurs are now in the midst of that is going to be as he said quite long and arduous and, and and pretty bumpy and you've only got to look at you know Arsenal who just didn't seem to be getting better under Arteta for a long time but you know now seemingly are finally turning a corner you know, is Conte going to have the patience to you know stick around through um, you know the amount of rotten performances that Arteta did? Well, it's funny, is it? Because you almost feel like we've got him caught in a bit, a bit of a catch twenty two. That unless he gets offered Real Madrid, PSG, something like that, and can jump ship in the same way that Ancelotti did with Everton, that if he does just work out on Tottenham, I mean, of course, there's going to be the usual memes and discourse around Tottenham and their kind of lack of ambition or the fact they won't spend money and keep top coaches in jobs 
but at the same time, it's not going to reflect particularly well on him to have down tools like that. And you know, we've already heard that this summer that Manchester United weren't overly keen on him, which seems almost preposterous in a way that because he seemed like he would be a perfect fit for them to kind of take a lot of the good players that they have. But you know, maybe maybe in sort of quieter circles, people at Old Trafford are watching his behaviour at the moment and counting themselves kind of lucky that they didn't bring that energy back to the club again um well, i think if he walks out before sorry i think if he walks out before the end of the season then it would reflect very badly on him but i think you know if he was to walk away in the summer then that could quite easily be spun as the club not keeping their promises or the club not backing him sufficiently or you know him simply you know having had enough of of the players, so I, I half agree with you, um, and I think in the case of United, the fact that they just weren't prepared to put up with Conte probably still reflects worse on them than him. Um, I think that says that there's a club that where everything's, you know, far too kind of safe and and nice, and they don't really want things shaken up um, because they're making loads of money off the pitch, and you know they don't want to jeopardise that in any way. But actually, I think as you said, you know, Conte would have been much better suited for that squad which is you know way more way more advanced and further along than the Tottenham squad is I mean uh, I think um, yeah go on mate. Sorry, sorry I was just trying to sort of contextualise what my feeling is at the moment and you know the stats are quite stark at the moment. he's lost he's lost eight games out of the last 11 and if my if I'm remembering right I think we've not scored in six of those eight losses and to bring again to kind of think of the point of the next two months or however long is left of this godforsaken season that is a lot that's a hard thing to reverse like even in our losses our losses are terrible and it doesn't really seem as like we've got a backup plan and again it just the worry for me is we get to the summer and all of these things aren't just forgotten like there's a lot of talk about let's just get to the summer let's let's get parity to work you know work out what we need and stuff like that and that should be happening now of course but what is happening right now is we are in the midst of a terrible run of form and when you consider the three wins in that 11 were Leicester which is was bizarre and probably never happens again um, Man City which of course on its own is an incredible result and I think the other one was the Brighton game in the cup. So, yeah, just I just think we need to be less worried about, oh, let's get to the summer and start again and start thinking about what sort of damage we're potentially doing right now with Conte's comments and our form and just the, the sheer lack of kind of cohesion that we're trying to build at the moment. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's... I think... Sorry, Jack. I, I take Tom's point, but I also think... You know, that there is just there is just an element of of needing to get to the summer really I mean I, I think what happens between now and then will be pivotal um, because I think Champions League could genuinely getting Champions League could genuinely you know be the difference between Conte sticking around or not so I think obviously what happens is, is important but you know everyone knew this squad wasn't good enough when Conte took the job at the start of November Everyone knew that wasn't going to be fixed by one window, especially a January transfer window. So while things have got 
worse than I think people anticipated and are not going as well as anticipated. I don't you know, I don't see that anything's dramatically changed from what we all already knew deep down um in November, which was that this was not gonna you know, be fixed this season. Um and you know, we, we were looking at the start of Sorry, Dan, I was going to say, does mm. surely a huge factor that has changed is Conte's aura is potentially kind of just evaporating in front of our eyes in, in terms of the fans and the squad. I know the fans are un- universally pretty behind him, you know, from the stands, but last night on Twitter, which I know is not a great barometer, but it was the first signs of people being like, you know what, mate, this, this isn't good enough, really. And once that once that has eroded away, that's quite a big shift in where things are. Surely we're just because I was I was I was, I was going to say days. Dan, sort of on on your point there. I think one of the things that has changed because I agree with you. You know, we all knew nothing was going to change over the course of one window. But I think what worries me is that again, maybe as it was with Mourinho when he came into the club, I I, I think Conte perhaps underestimated quite how poor you know the state of the squad was at the moment because it just well, he said that what he's, he's admitted that yeah no. i mean the first time yeah so it, it's i think that's what alarms me i think i think what one of my main kind of nagging concerns about having a coach like him in there because i i, I agree with everything that everyone's saying we all know he's a fantastic coach and i i have absolutely no doubt if you know he goes to madrid or he goes to psg he'll win the champions league or similar at least have a lot of success with those clubs and be able to manage the egos at that top level of football. Um, but the idea that, you know, kind of where Spurs are now, that we're going to have a manager like Conte who's, who's sort of saying on record what he wants. He, he's, not, he's not here to finish top four. He's here to win the Premier League. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, that looks like Tottenham chucking a lot of money this summer at players in some kind of I don't know almost hubristic attempt to win the Premier League like we're well, like we're still kind of in that place like all it's going to take is two or three players in order for us to do that as opposed to us using money in a you know in a in a kind of I guess boring but more smart way and you know thinking about a successor for Lloris thinking about a backup or a successor for Kane for Son for you know, building more of a kind of midfield again, getting our kind of defence sorted properly. You know, and I, I, I'm just kind of wondering, like, are we gonna, are we gonna do similar to, and we can't write it off in the same way that they can, but in the same way that you know, Conte spent a lot of money at Chelsea and on a number of poor players, really. But they don't really need to worry about the impact of that. But we've seen already kind of what the impact of having two duds in. And Dombele and Lacelso has caused for Tottenham. We've had years of trying to shift them and not being able to get rid of them, and as a result, having to kind of be forced into using players like this. You know, it just it just worries me that we might be in a place where we're going to spend a lot of money on you know certain players from Syria or wherever. That are we going to be left with when Conte ends up leaving? And that's it again. That's this whole kind of idea of a of a of a kind of a smart way of building the club of. Of, of a new project if you like has gone out the window again because whoever comes in is going to have to try and get a tune out of whatever expensive duds are. I mean this it's all, it's all a very pessimistic take you know I don't, this kind of I think that's what the how the mood is 
quite a bit at the moment. But yeah, I, I don't get know. what you're saying. Yeah. I guess I would re- refer to the Conte quotes in the Sky Italia interview, which got him banned from speaking to the Italian media. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Yeah, when he said he'd understood that the club's strategy now was to buy young players. So I think that that, that shows you that you know, even if Conte would like to be buying, you know, Vidal, Alexis Sanchez, Ashley Young, Ericsson, you know, all these established internationals, which is what he did it into. You know, that's what he'd like to be doing because that's how he wins titles because he, he thinks he can get a tune out of these, you know, very experienced players. Um, even if he'd like that, that's not what Spurs are going to do. And, and he's understood that. So while I get what you're saying, I, I don't think there's a danger of Spurs kind of being lumped with, you know, a load of... Um, players that no other manager could could possibly get a tune out of and, and a pass their sell by date because the club is still gonna gonna act in um, you know in a certain way even with Conte in charge. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this this whole question just comes down to you know is Conte the right man for for a rebuild? And yeah, I, I really do have my doubts about that. And um, I think he does too, and he's he's made that pretty clear. Um, and I don't actually think that, you know, he's, I don't think he, he realised how bad it was. He said that. And I think he's probably gone from thinking, you know, this might be a bit like Chelsea when I came in and, you know, the, the players were chronically undercoached, but they were all good players and I, I won the side for the next year. I think he's gone from thinking it was going to be like that to realising that actually he's not going to have any chance of winning the title next year. And it's going to be, you know, the, the year after that at best. Um, so... You know, if he wants to to do that with Spurs, and he's going to have to brace himself for for a long road, and you know, and signing a new deal as well. There's a there's a bit of talk because I mean, I guess the the future of this man is intrinsically tied to another, and vice versa at the moment. Um, in Harry Kane, there's been a bit of talk, and uh, I think you know, you you written a piece today about it as well, Dan, about how the the, the result last night is potentially going to have an impact on his. Uh, on his Tottenham career, we're kind of you know we're hearing the the talk mm-hmm. about him again leaving in summer. What are you hearing about that at the moment? What are the noises? Yeah, I mean from what I from what I heard, what I've heard, and, and I have written this, you know, it is still in the balance for Kane, um, and I think we we could all have, have guessed that. I mean, it, the the situation is is broadly that he came back on side as it were with the club and and you know was really invested as, as pretty much as soon as Conte got the job and he loves working with Conte he, you know he really recognizes that 
Conte wants the same things he does um, you know, to, to win trophies with Spurs and that Conte you know, had the track record of delivering that. Um, so in that respect, you know, he's really on board. But, you know, again, like 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 all of us, really, I think Kane recognises that, you know, other levels of the, the club, you know, notably his teammates, you know, aren't at that level and aren't ready to do that. So I think for Kane, it would just come down to, um, you know, are Spurs prepared to sufficiently back Conte to, to get the squad to the right level of the summer. And, and, you know, and if not, I think it's definitely possible that, not that he will leave, because Spurs still hold uh, the aces in that respect and that he's still got two years on his contract, but that he will push to leave again and we could have another you know, summer saga. I think that, that is very possible. And I think, you know, anyone that's that's kind of watched Spurs, certainly in the last few weeks, not under Nuno, but in the last few weeks, would, would kind of understand why, why Kane feels that um you know he's at a different level to some of his teammates um yeah and 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 just to add to that i think you know he he was very invested in winning the fa cup and you know from what i'd heard you know he was telling people you know around the club that you know he obviously really wanted to win that and and he thought it would be a very good sign if spurs did win that and perhaps kind of you know point to um you know more trophies under conte so i think you know the reason i did the piece today was on the back of information that that you know Kane was was really keen to win that, and it could be a factor in his future. So, yeah, the the, the fact that Spurs are now out um, kind of doesn't bode particularly well for Spurs avoiding that saga again. How, how are you feeling about this, really Tom? Weird. Uh, sorry, I was just going to add on top of that. Next next year is going to be strange, or next season is going to be strange anyway because of the World Cup. So, it, it does it does slightly change the goalposts. In in what way? I'm not a hundred percent sure, um, but. I think players have got something else to consider with the idea of moving clubs in the summer when you know, four or five months later there are places to be had at a World Cup in in various teams. You know, I, It's not saying Kane's under pressure to for his England place at all. He's not, obviously. But if he was to move and has a similar kind of start to the season as he did uh, this season, for example, just getting used to new surroundings or, or whatever else, then... He potentially goes into the World Cup in in pretty average form, um, with his body getting closer to the, an inevitable breakdown. I, I'd imagine so, purely because of the amount of minutes that he has to play for Spurs at the moment. So, I'm to answer your question. I think you were about to ask. I'm I'm certainly I've called a lot on on Kane. I I was very I was quite anti Kane probably before the end of. Uh, before the turn of the year, say, um, I still wasn't really seeing anything from him that looked anything like his top effort. But last night, actually, he, he wasn't good. He, he was he was a number of one of a number of underperformers. But his kind of effort, I think, backs up what what Dan was just saying there about he he really wanted to win this, and the team that was put out was the strongest available. Um, maybe apart from Regulon, um, Conte seemed to really want to go for it. It wasn't a early round of the cup sort of team that he put out there and Kane seemed to like when he scored the disallowed goal he celebrated quite a lot more vigorously than I was maybe would maybe expect of him to you know scoring a goal away at a championship side in a fifth round of the FA Cup he, he seemed to be really properly celebrating it as if it was like a, a last minute winner kind of thing um, and I think it was born of sort of the frustrating way the evening had been panning out and 
the, the fact that he probably did have this extra motivation. But I, I think he'll be pushing to go no matter what. I think if, if we won an FA Cup and then in the summer City came back in with 120 million, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd be looking at that and asking, you know, Levy to just like, <laughs> to say no. I, I, I don't think he's he's at that stage I think if the right offer came in regardless he would be happy to to move on because it's now or never for him it really is I thought last summer was now or never and um, maybe it is in terms of his contract situation but I, I think he he would take he would happily move still in the summer regardless of what happens and the other thing is if it is all tied to Conte getting perhaps what he wants or whatever else Spurs are notoriously late movers in the transfer market. It doesn't matter if we've got Paratici, it doesn't matter if we've got Conte. You know, that side of things is not going to change. So the likelihood is that whatever business we do, good or bad, is going to be drawn out quite by quite a long time, at which point Kane's going to go, well, I'm not going to give myself you know, two weeks to decide my future um, if there is an offer on the table. It, he's going to have to see some movement very, very early doors, and I don't really have the confidence that we'll do that. So... So overall, I don't know. A slightly, I, I don't even know a slightly sort of. depressing um, scenario. I I feel like I could I should raise is that it could just be the same summer again. If if Conte was to walk and Kane was to push for a move, it would just be Spurs desperately trying to get a manager in, while desperately trying to fend off Peter and Harry Kane, and Ndombele and the Celso could come back as well. So we <laughs> could, could just could just be exactly the same summer. All over again. It's something to look forward to, isn't it? <laughs> Christ, uh, it's just. But to your point, uh, Tom, there, I, I'm not. I'm not as 100% on the kind of last chance saloon thing for him because, I mean, in my opinion, he's you know he's he's never signing another contract at Tottenham. At least not off the back of this one. He's going to run down his contract now, and to me, it's going to be a case of whether or not the club wants to sell him. Whether or not the club get an offer that they think is acceptable for him or whether or not they're just happy to see him wind down his contract and get the best that they can from his ability, his yeah, his aura over the team, the fact that other players will probably want to sign to play with him, that other managers will want to have a player like him on their team. So I, I, I have no doubt that, I think, what, has he got another two seasons left after this? That after that point, United or City will just come and get him on a free, and he'll, you know, he'll he'll have the Van Persie arc, and he'll he'll do it then. To to me, it's more whether or not Tottenham will again this this summer want to have a because you know I I can, I can personally see Manchester City coming back for him. I think they kind of realise they've made a bit of a mistake with Grealish, and I think at that kind of level, it's not really entirely about kind of saving face. I don't think they're going to let that get in the way of coming back in for a player that they clearly really want and clearly really would improve their team and play well for a manager like Guardiola you know it's I don't know it's a, it's a dodgy one but I mean would you is it for you Tom is it what do Tottenham look like without Harry Kane you know do do, do you sort of see the 100 mil say that we get for him is that is that a good thing for this rebuilding of Tottenham because like, let's make no mistake. Like, if if Harry, as we we're saying at the top end there, if Conte goes, Harry Kane goes, most likely if we sell him. But we're not going to Tottenham aren't going to sell Harry Kane if Conte's still in charge, right? So, 
is this sort of lump sum of money? Is this a chance to not even just the money, the whole kind of idea of us not being good enough for Harry Kane? Are, are the club somehow free of that if he goes? And I know it sounds ridiculous. We're talking about losing one of the best players in world football, but the the kind of the whole aura around the club is sometimes almost pulled down by this discussion, right? Yeah, it's very familiar for Spurs as well because we had it for a good three seasons with Bale like straight away after he had his Champions League uh, breakout game against Inter and then up until the point where he did go it was all very much like you know, he's, it's a matter of when not if and he, he's already outgrown us and stuff and it, it becomes very tiring as a fan because you, you can't control these things there's, there's nothing you can do you just have to sit back and watch and ultimately you just have to kind of get you get what you're given don't you as a football fan and if that is Kane leaving I think the optics of that look awful for Spurs who are still probably in decline um, the optics of it look bad for Levy because he's he's kind of failed to use the reprise that he got uh, or the reprieve rather from managing to keep Kane in the summer you know, since then, I haven't really seen an awful lot of work gone into the next wave of of trying to keep him and um, keeping him happy and stuff like it. Conte being brought in, yes, is one thing, but I, I just don't really see what we're doing to convince someone like Kane that everything's going to be okay in another six to twelve months. Um, maybe that's unfair. You know, he's only had one on transfer window Paratici but again I don't I don't really see what he's done to supplement a player like Harry Kane I, I don't want to lose him because he's the best player that we've got um, no team wants to lose their best footballer at the same time do I see value in selling him for 120 million or even 100 million probably yes my issue is more that that Hundred million goes into the uh, into the purse that Parasici is in charge of, and and I just don't trust the club to get it right. It, we didn't do it with Bale, and we didn't do it with Berbatov. We we didn't do it with Modric. Like it's it comes it all came good in the end with those sales, but our immediate attempts at fixing it were pretty awful. And my big concern is that all happening again. Like, I'm sure. You, Jack, you can't have any confidence in it either, surely, just from our previous experience of having this sort of money in our back pocket. Well, it, it's just, to me, it's... I think the worry is, and this is something we have spoken about, is the the understanding that, uh, that somebody like Paratici has about... <laughs> I, I, I don't want to end up sounding too kind of jingoistic or somehow xenophobic in this type of stuff, but... <laughs> a you, risk you rarely take. Yeah. <laughs> but you do worry about kind of the sort of... You, when you see, like, say, for example, the likes of Emerson Royale, was there, not, was there really not a kind of a, an exciting championship kind of well, player we that we could have gone night, for? You know, we saw one last night. That may, Again, maybe that's unfair. I don't know the, the, the season, if this has been a breakout season for Jones. I... I it may well be but I, I am with you I can't imagine there was a worse option a cheaper option as well that wasn't available in the championship 
or elsewhere around the league. And I, I share the concerns around his knowledge of the league because it does count for something. Like it isn't proper football man to say, it, but it, it does count for something. Like you can't just go out and get any old player and expect them to slot in. <laughs> it, it's not, it doesn't work like that. So I, I share the same concerns as you. All right, lads. I mean, this has all been pretty miserable at this point. And <laughs> so I, I, I want to try and lighten, lighten the mood a bit now. Now, what the Tottenham Way podcast has been known for in the, in the latter years is the Christmas quiz. Um, and, you know, obviously there was, there was a slightly eventful Christmas quiz a few years back. Uh, somebody, somebody turned up after having been drinking whiskey all day at their last day of work. And, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. But... Um, we won't have Ollie Lister on the on the on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> but what what I have prepared is a little Antonio Conte quiz for you two Ooh. now at the end of this Ooh, podcast. Nice. So well, it, it, it's going to be a fastest finger first type of thing, but in this in this instance, we're just going to have you shout your name as your buzzer, okay? And then. Uh, <laughs> And then you can answer the question. All right. So we'll, so we'll put it that way. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna add in a bit of like, music here now. Set the tone. But uh, the, yeah, there's there's eight questions here. Okay. So it's you know, let's hope it's not a draw because then I'm gonna have to go to the tiebreaker, which is just a generic Tottenham quiz, <laughs> and not this very beautifully prepared Antonio Conte quiz. So if we're all ready, gentlemen, I'm gonna take it to the first question now. We all know serial winner Antonio Conte from his time with Italian giants Inter Milan and Juventus, and of course from his time with Chelsea. Can you name one of his other previous teams Dan. managed? Go on for it, Dan. The Italian national team? Club teams. Lecce. That's incorrect, Daniel. <gasps> Tom? What? Do I get a chance to steal it? You um... do have a chance to steal the question. Also, you didn't say no. Sorry, you didn't say club. You didn't say club you, team. You did you jump in before. Chris I couldn't. Finch, no, no, you, no, 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 no. The Tempest. You didn't say club team. So <laughs> it, it, it would have been part this of the is question. Bullshit. This is all. No, no, no. You finished the question. It, if it makes it any better, I have <laughs> no fucking clue. I, I'll get Palmer as a guess. That's incorrect as well. That's incorrect. What is the so you, there were four to choose from. You had can I steal it? Can I steal it? Or can I, can I just name one? Go on, name one. A Atalanta. Atalanta is one indeed. But there was Arezzo, Bari, Atalanta and Siena. And he was pretty horrific at all of them. So there you go. <laughs> Question two. Serial winner Antonio Conte has thus far lost eight of his 23 matches for Tottenham Hotspur. How many matches did he lose during his 106-game tenure for Chelsea? Tom, Dan. Tom, you, you, you said first. What? I'd go 12. Incorrect. Dan? I would go... I'll, I'll take the nearest answer for this one, for the points. Oh, they were shit second season. Damn it. They weren't great, but... I'd... I lost that many. This is in all competitions. In all competitions, okay. 106 game tenure. Ooh, okay. <laughs> 12. Fucking hell. He is a serial winner, Tom. So. Yeah, I don't think it's that, but I'll go 16. 
Well, you get the points, Dan, because you're closest, but it was 21 games. Mm. 21 games he lost at Chelsea. So, you know, there you go. Which English midfielder did serial winner Antonio Conte spend 34 Tom. million... Go on, Tom. Danny Drinkwater. It is Danny Drinkwater <laughs> in the summer of 2017. Question four. How, sorry, how much? 34 million. 34 million pounds on Danny Drinkwater. Question four. Such is serial winner Antonio Conte's obsession with winning, he named his daughter accordingly. Well, he didn't actually name her accordingly, but what is her name? Tom. Go on, Tom. Scudetto? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's not Scudetto. Dan, do you want to swoop in and steal the points? Um... Danny Drinkwater. Champion. Champion. Campione. Close but no. Close but no. I don't know. Pizza. Cigar. Um, it, her name is <laughs> Vittoria, goddess of victory. So. Question five. Across his managerial career, which manager has serial winner Antonio Conte lost the most games to? Dan. Go for it, Dan. Oh, it's going to be someone, some fucker in Italy. I was going to say, boy. Um, oh. Uh, Mourinho. Incorrect. My, oh, really? That was going to be my answer. Um, over his whole career. So this would have been a lot in Italy. Um... Allegri. Incorrect. The correct answer is Arsene Wenger. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? Eight games, apparently. Eight games he has lost to Arsene Wenger. What, so, so they played Arsenal eight times? I have no oh, idea. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, Arsenal and Juventus must have played each other in the Champions League or something. Sorry, it's being thick. I'm just going to, well, you know, I'm just going to get, I'm going back to transfer marked now. Their comparison. He actually no. He lost four games. He played eight matches against Arsenal, but he lost four against Arsene Wenger. But he lost four of those games to uh, to him. So the next question, gentlemen, is number six. That's where we are. Who holds the record as being the most expensive player that serial winner Antonio Conte has bought thus far Tom. during his managerial career? Tom, go for it. Is it Morata? That's incorrect. Lukaku. That's correct, oh, Daniel. Romelu Lukaku, six, six million pounds from Manchester United. Question number seven. Which English club does serial winner Antonio Conte have the worst record against on a points per matches basis? Dan. Target Dan. I'm going to say Arsenal, based on the Wenger stuff. Exactly. Gave it away a bit there, but that was it is Arsenal. 0.75 points per matches. So that, that, that does make Dan the winner, but I'll just ask you the last question anyway. Because it's just, you know, why not? 
I did some research. I actually did something for once, you know, as opposed to just set up a microphone and talk to people with my kind of baseless <laughs> opinions on things. Question number eight. Who said this of serial winner Antonio Conte? My opinion about my colleague Conte is that he's superb. Maybe he's the best. He was able to make Italy play beautiful football, Juventus too, in a culture where it's so defensive. He's an excellent manager. I learn a lot when I see his teams. Tom. Go for it, Tom. I feel like it's going to be one of two people. Uh, I've lost anyway, so I'm going to sort of explain it, my reasonings. If that sounds like that really horrible, overly familiar praise of Guardiola, but it also sounds like the kind mm. of underhand digging of Mourinho. So I'm torn between those. I'm going to say, just because of the defensive thing, I'm going to say Guardiola. You're very correct, Tom. That was Joseph Guardiola. So the, the final scores... Well reasoned. That was good stuff. I wasn't sure. <laughs> the final scores on the doors are three to Dan, two to Tom. Dan, do you want to do you want to do you want to risk it all while we're in the in the <laughs> in the quizzing zone with a tie? No, I won't. I just say a la Guardiola that Tom was a great opponent. Um, he, he's a really strong opponent. He really knows <laughs> his Antonio Conte stuff. He's strong. fantastic. He's brilliant. He's wonderful. Um, I won, so there's no need for the last question. <laughs> I just say, like Allah, the quiz that we've done over what was it, three, four years that we did it, the the football journalist winning. You know, again, to sort of liken it to Guardiola and Man City, Dan has got a bottomless pit of money or, or sort of access to football knowledge and facts. I, I'm the Spurs that's just trying to chug away against these these big wigs and break into the big leagues when it comes to quizzes. So I, I just look, I just want to say that that's very Mourinho of me, I'm afraid. If 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 I speak, I'm in trouble. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly that, exactly that. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, lads. I hope I hope you've enjoyed today's uh, little soiree back into into the the Tottenham Way podcast. Um, yeah, less less probably said about the Tottenham Way's Twitter presence. <laughs> neither of us said anything then, so yeah, yeah no, you're not. No, it's it, it's uh, it's nice. Yeah, to I just want to absolve, Just want. Yes, it is good, and I just want to make it clear to anyone that doesn't know that I don't run the Tottenham Way Twitter account anymore. It's Tom. <laughs> Because this is, you got it levelled at you the other day again, didn't you, Dan? After by Tom. you, yeah. <laughs> no, did you? Well, by yeah. you. <laughs> I liked the, uh, the the the. You literally sent me a link to that tweet on WhatsApp and a line, a long line of exclamation marks. <laughs> there was it, definitely it, a tonal shift a few years ago, wasn't there? It went from sort of blogs and transfer rumours to just basically calling everyone a fucking arsehole usually kind of around fr sort of Friday evening Saturday evenings as well when you know <laughs> someone might have had what a few times. yeah I don't know I think that that was the Foynes account that was the, the dark days of the Foynes account generally was, was that the Spurs what the Tottenham way is within three minutes of conceding a goal or, or losing a game so yeah and again tonal shift has been quite significant in the last three years because that's happened quite often
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 